0: Welcome to My Journey, the podcast for individuals who are seeking to write their own stories while creating a more healthy life along the way. My name is Brian Pickowitz. This is My Journey, and now it's time to start yours. What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to My Journey. I am your host, Brian Pickowitz, and I want to welcome you all to episode number 48 of our podcast. So in today's podcast, we are talking about how to reset your body and reset your mind with the fat loss and hormone expert, Kim Shaper. And Kim's story is inspiring by itself, but if you are someone who is challenged in the area of fat loss, especially if you're a lady and you're you're struggling to really lose weight, but also to maintain your stress levels. You're, you're hitting a wall and you're like, oh, I'm always feeling bloated, I'm always struggling with fatigue, or I'm always feeling like I can't get control of my weight, then this podcast is going to be really powerful for you. Now, I know that that's focusing also on one demographic, but I want to encourage everyone here who's listening to really lean into this episode because Kim has one of the most inspiring and I would say I don't know how to articulate it better than driven hope. Like Kim's story drives you to have so much hope in your life because of the things that she's overcome. And so whether you are a female who's struggling with their hormones, you're you're really trying to master yourself and you're not really sure why you're not losing weight, then this is gonna be an amazing podcast for you. Or if you're a man who has a poor relationship with food and you're just not sure how to overcome it, then this is an amazing podcast for you too. Because Kim doesn't just focus on the nitty gritty details. She's extremely knowledgeable in those areas. But more than anything, she makes it very simple and easy to digest. And her... Examples of how you can reshape your relationship with food, how you can de-stress, how you can really get connected with yourself are are things I think everyone can benefit from. And that's why I was so grateful to have Kim on this podcast. So I want to give you a little bit of background story about Kim before we dive in. So Kim is a fitness coach who really focuses on female hormones and helping them get into an amazing place with their body and reshape their relationship with themselves too. But Kim's journey started with fitness when she was in college. She was an athlete beforehand and she never really struggled with her weight but when she got to college she started to gain a little bit of weight. So she started seeing a trainer. She started working with a trainer and from there her relationship with food and her body just completely took a 180 and went in the wrong direction. So Kim at one point weighed 72 or it might have been 78 pounds. I don't want to Overstep, and I'm not exactly sure if it was 78 or 72, so I'm going to say 78, 80 pounds. And she was extremely anorexic. She had gone through rehab for her food addiction and her relationship with her food six times, six times. And this is someone who eventually was able to make their way out of that trauma. She then went on the other end and had a binge eating disorder, and it took her several, several years to get to the point where she's at now, where she has an, a really solid relationship with food. She has a really amazing way of bringing people through their own trauma and struggles. And she is the most, I can I, I can say this without a doubt, Kim is one of the most authentic people I have ever seen in my life. And the greatest thing is if you follow her on social media, which you definitely need to, at Kim dot shaper on instagram if you follow her on instagram you're just gonna be blown away because the things that she shares and the way that she authentically shares it makes you realize that you aren't alone in your challenge because maybe you aren't anorexic but maybe you have a poor relationship with food maybe you aren't struggling with losing weight but maybe there's something that is in your fitness journey that you really want to address. And especially if you're someone who's struggling with their hormones, or you know someone who's struggling with their hormones, I think this podcast is really going to serve as a, an advantageous piece. So I encourage you to share this podcast with anyone who you think is going to be benefit from it. And at the same time, as you're listening to this, I want to cue you in that Kim's having a hormone reset challenge that is a free four week challenge that's going to start September 16th and runs to October 14th, I believe. It's a four week challenge. So it's gonna be amazing. It's gonna be extremely valuable. So ladies, I think it's gonna be perfect for you. Men, if you know any ladies that are gonna be benefited by this, um, I would encourage you to pass this along to them. But Kim's just an, an amazing giver. Um, she actually has been helping me with one of my clients and she just is a a warm-hearted person who i think everyone should follow and check out on social media so you can check her out at kim shaper at instagram and kimshaper.com on the interwebs (laughs) and also uh kim or kim shaper on facebook too but I hope that you all are doing well. I wanted to talk to you about something that's been interesting in my space recently, just for a moment. And I reshaped one of the ways that I was seeing myself. And here's the thing, I, I think that, I've talked about this a little bit on the podcast, but at times there's there's so many different influences on your mind right now when it comes to social media, whether that's positive, negative, it's just this this, pool of an infinite amount of people that you could be listening to and that's why I'm so grateful that you are tuning into this podcast and I I find it interesting that people believe that they have to be one way or the other forever. So I, I would say that I can be a pretty intense person. Uh, I get after it. I'll work like so this week with the launch of the Revitalized Body Blueprint. I have been working some days from i worked one day from 7 a.m till 9 p.m without much of a break in between any of those hours now obviously like there's probably like some hours that are far more um, together than others but i have a tendency to just get after it regardless of what the situation is but i also have the, the tendency to listen to my body and listen to what's going on and I find it very interesting that people think that they have to be either over the top, all in, or they have to just always be, I'm gonna say it soft, and listen to themselves and always be cutting themselves slack. Now here's the thing, it's important that you realize when you actually need what you need. So for instance, with this launch, And with the amount of calls I've had, the amount of people who've been uh, talking to me about the program, I've had a tremendous amount of engagement, which I'm super excited about. So thank you all who have showed interest or have connected with me or who are working with me now. (laughs) I'm, I'm really excited and it's been a great success. But when I'm in this zone, I haven't been training as much because my focus has been on something else. Now, that doesn't mean... I haven't been training at all so for instance I've just been running I've been getting my morning cardio in I've been keeping my body in a great place and I'm also listening to my body and the cues it's giving me so I worked one day extremely long hours and I was going to bed Lindsay and I stayed up I'm always really intentional that like the last hour of my day is with Lindsay no matter what and so I stayed up and we were connecting, we were talking, just wanted to know how she was doing because I think it's really important that for us, we disconnect from business and life and we, we connect to each other in that way. It's one one of our rules, really. It's, it's kind of an unsaid rule, but we've done a good job with it. And I, it was like almost 11, or almost 11, 10.30, and my typical wake-up time is around 4.15, 4.30. And so I'm at the point where I'm just barely gonna get six hours of sleep. And I hate that. I'm fine with six hours of sleep, but I have to give myself like six and a half hours time because once I start hitting the six hours of sleep mark of like I can only get six hours of sleep, it stresses me out because I know I'm gonna be exhausted the next day. And so what I did is instead of traveling to the gym and going to workout, I slept for an extra hour and a half. And then when I woke up, I went for a long run and it felt great. Now, what does that have to do with pushing yourself and having self-awareness? What it has to do with is you need to understand when to actually give yourself some space. But you also, just because you give yourself space does not mean you have to destroy all your progress and give up completely. Because there's something you can do if you are choosing to cut out something that you know is essential to the progress that you want. There's something you can do to keep yourself in alignment. And so a lot of times people be like, oh, I'm going on vacation. That means I can throw everything away. And there's a time and a place for that. But just because you're doing one thing doesn't mean you have to do you have to lose sight of everything. So just because you're going away for the weekend doesn't mean you have to eat like an asshole. Doesn't mean you have to stop going for walks or stop exercising. Just because it's the holiday season doesn't mean you have to throw away all your progress and just because it's the end of the year doesn't mean that you have to give up hope for accomplishing the things that you wanted in 2019 it's the same thing as having your alarm clock go off half an hour late and now you only have a half an hour where you would have had an hour to train all right so what are you gonna do with that half an hour how are you gonna check the box how are you gonna make it better because I was having a call with someone today who is interested in the Revitalized Body Blueprint, which, by the way, I am going to keep open for another week of enrollment. So if you're listening to this and you've been hearing me talk about it and you're interested, you can still get a free strategy call with me. But I was, I was talking to him and he was like, you know, I just... I tend to think like that I have to prepare. And if I don't go all in, then I have to stop. start the next day. And I think it's a better strategy for me to think of it that way than this. I said, well, that's one way to go about it. Or you could just start from that point right in front of you. Like you could literally just start doing better right now. You're listening to my words right now. You could start doing better in your day and just totally reverse the outcome of your day. You can do that. There's no reason why we can't. And so we wrap ourselves up in this all-in perfection mindset. And I'm not saying that it's it's an outlet for lacking discipline. But what I'm saying is that you can ground yourself in a very empowering way to move yourself forward from this moment forward. And so that is my message. A cool little breakthrough I've been having mentally. And I feel amazing about this week no matter what. And so that's my message. I want to bring it to you. And I also want to bring this up because it's something that Kim and I kind of dive into about grounding yourself. So I think it'll be really empowering and something that you can tangibly get some benefit from. So thank you all for tuning in. I'm going to leave this here because you guys are going to love this podcast. If you guys love our podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes or shout us out on Instagram. For each person who sends me, for each person who shouts out the podcast on Instagram, I always send personalized video message. I think it's so empowering to me to see that you're enjoying this and I want to be able to give you something back. So make sure you love this podcast. Keep sharing it. Just keep empowering people to listen to it. And more than anything else, thank you for being here. And on that note, here is Kim Shaper. Kim Shaper, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Brian. I greatly appreciate it.
0: Absolutely. I'm super excited. So I wish that everyone could hear our conversation before this. Um, just, everything's just high energy. Everything's uh, in a really great place. And I, I wanted to start off with one question that's so prevalent in my mind. So as I was preparing for this podcast, I went all the way back to 2017. I looked at all your content for the most part. I didn't stalk you too hard, but <laughs> I looked at a lot of your content for the last really two, two and a half years. Mm -hmm. And one thing that strikes me is you have such a sense of yourself. You are extremely vulnerable with the content you post and you just put yourself out there in such an authentic way that I think so many people can gravitate towards your lessons. And so my first question was, where do you believe your sense of self-confidence comes from?
1: Gosh, Brian, such a great question. Well, first, thank you for having me. I'm so excited (laughs) I know how much I love you, and uh, I just love what you do for your audience, and so they're super grateful to have you, so thank you. Thank you. Um, Where do I feel like I get my sense of self? To be honest, I think a big piece of it is just everything that I've gone through in my life, and it's just kind of brought me to where I am today. Um, I feel like I'm pretty resilient, and, Um, We all go through stuff. We all have our storylines. We all have our baggage. I think just experiencing so many different things throughout my entire life, um, I've been able to really grasp who I am as an individual, just from really being able to kind of take a step back and say, okay, this isn't the worst thing that's happened because prior to this, I had, I experienced something else, which was even harder. So I found that over time I become more resilient. So the 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 tribulations aren't as intense as they were before if that makes sense Mm
0: -hmm. absolutely Mm -hmm. and if you could and i want to dive into some of those actual pieces right like Mm -hmm. and and we'll kind of like guide through your story but if you could paraphrase what has brought you to this point would it be resiliency would there be something else you feel like has really kept you moving forward? Like what is, I guess, the light at the end of the tunnel that you keep striving towards as as you hit one challenge or you hit one other thing? Like what keeps you moving forward?
1: I think what keeps driving me forward is, is willpower, yes, but I feel like that's also finite. I mean, we all get burned out at some point or another. I would say just my ultimate desire to continue to Be a better person, learn more, seek more information, um, be around positive, like-minded people, and really just trying to up-level myself. One thing that I've really become very present about in my life is accepting, getting comfortable in the uncomfortable, because it's really, truly the only way to grow. It feels scary, but yet you catapult yourself on a whole different level when you choose to lean into that discomfort. I
0: love that. Mm -hmm. And so... I want to take a step back. I want to talk about your journey and really give everyone who's listening an idea of what you have overcome, because Mm -hmm. I I think it's, I've talked to a lot of amazing people on the podcast. Mm -hmm. I've been blessed to have a, a lot of amazing people in my life, but I just, I think that you have one of the most powerful, if not the most powerful transformation and success story that I've ever seen. Oh, and if God. everyone, ever, <laughs> <laughs> everyone <laughs> who's listening to this could be like, Brian, like, chill out, like stop hyping up this girl. She better be amazing. <laughs> but but so let's take a step back. So mm-hmm. your journey really started when you were in college. Um, what did that look like? And And for anyone who's listening, like where were you at in those moments?
1: Yeah, such a great question. And um, for me, a quick little backstory: In high school, really, I was I was an avid athlete. Food was never really an issue for me. And I just, I, I had pretty good self-confidence for the most part. And it wasn't until I went off to college kind of gained the traditional freshman 15. I came back and I'd never lifted weights in my entire life. All I did was run cross-country and track. And so I came home after college gaining some weight, and my mom said, let's go see a trainer. So it was my first time ever seeing a trainer. And uh, now looking back, that's probably one of the main reasons why I got into this business, because he was, constantly body shaming and he's I was allowed to have five foods at this time. Now allowed is a broad term. I could have chosen to say, hey, I'm not going to go down this route, but I didn't really know any different at the time. So I followed his protocol of the five foods and I actually got in great shape. I leaned out really quick because my body it was new. I'd never dieted before so my body responded very well, um, especially to the weight training too. And so uh, what I found myself doing, I had never understood the term binge eating until I started depriving myself. So what I mean by that, is when I went to see this trainer, because I was on such a restrictive diet, on the weekends, I would end up binging. I'd find myself craving pizzas and cakes and pastas and all of these things. And I would come back, come Monday to the gym and he'd say, you've gained weight, you look really swollen, you look really overweight. And so Mm -hmm. then that started to feed my mind of, oh my gosh, I have to be secretive about my food or I have to follow this religiously or um, I'm gonna be punished somehow. So it became this inevitable negative feedback loop where I started hiding my food, I started hoarding my food in a sense, and I had this scarcity mindset around food because here I was on one end, I was getting lean and I was getting really fit and I was getting all these accolades, and then on the other hand, I was binge eating in secret and really having obsessive issues around food when it had never been that way before. So I um, went off, I went back to college, and I literally took that five meal diet and put it in my back pocket and just religiously followed that for the first year or two of college. Now, I will say, Brian, that like my food issues went hand in hand with relationships. So if I was engaging in disordered eating, I was engaging in some sort of self-destructive relationship, whether that be emotional, physical, mental abuse or whatever, they went hand in hand. And so what I would do is I would literally like, like literally and figuratively run. I would run from my problems. I'd run for hours and hours and hours to avoid, and then I would numb out by not eating. And so it became this habitual pattern. And I found myself getting really depressed in college. And, um, so what I chose to do is I just started starving myself and I got down to about 80 pounds. And for me, that's really low considering I took a whole, a, a decent amount of muscle. And so, um, My parents came down to visit me. They pulled me out of school and they're like, we are getting you home, we're putting you in treatment. You look, I guess when I would bend over, they would see all my bones. And so they put me in my first treatment center ever. And the unfortunate part, Brian, about treatment centers, especially if you go in for eating disorders, once you gain your weight back, especially if you go Mm -hmm. in for anorexia and you get to a so-called healthy weight or healthy BMI, then you're released from the hospital. And so what happens with that, you gain the weight pretty quickly, but then you have no coping skills on the back end of that. So Mm -hmm. you go home and you've regained the weight, but your self-esteem was purely wrapped up around your body. So then it's like, well, who am I? Because now I've regained the weight and now my self-esteem was purely focused on the external. And so it became a really, really, really hard time for me to learn to bridge the gap between my internal and external. And I fought that for years. I was in and out of um, seven different treatment centers over the course of my 20s. And it really wasn't until my last one, I'm 40 now, my last one at 32, that I was like, enough is enough. I have to get well. Um, I just dealt with a lot of trauma and a lot of PTSD stuff as well. So the the food was just, and the, the destructive behaviors were just purely a byproduct mm. of of using those as my coping mechanisms. So until I chose to do something different was when things finally started to shift.
0: I appreciate you sharing that, by the way. Sure. That's, that's a lot to have to deal with. And one of the thoughts that came to my mind as I was really diving into your story is when you made that decision, mm-hmm. I need to address this, like, what was, or what are some things that you were able to do in order to cope or find a way to deconstruct those root causes? Because Mm -hmm. I find that, I find that with everyone. And so the thing that I think is so tangible for people to, as they're listening is like, like, and I say this with the utmost amount of respect for you, like yours is a fairly extreme case, but people have all these other issues and they they kind of like walk over them because they're like oh well it's not as severe as it could be or Mm -hmm. i just don't want to address it like it could be anxiety it could be a relationship with food it -hmm. could be any kind of relationship and i feel like we don't address them because we don't think that we have a problem enough that's worth addressing and it's just not true because every one of us has our own baggage and we all have our own coping mechanisms and there's there's nothing wrong with that because you can change and so when you looked at like some of the things that you were experiencing like what were some of the helpful things that allowed you the space to be able to be vulnerable enough with yourself to actually address those different relationships that you had with yourself and just reframe them
1: Great question. So a few different things. One is after I had regained the weight, I ended up going to the other extreme and I gained um, an additional set like 60, 70 pounds. And so what I quickly realized was my behaviors that I was doing over the course of the time, whether I was swinging from one pendulum to the next, Um, They weren't serving me and so I kept thinking I'm so hard-headed like I think a lot of us are that we convince ourselves that if we do the same thing over and over we're going to get different results. And so I think over time I realized okay what I'm doing isn't working anymore and it literally took me to my breaking point to say okay enough is enough. Like I have to be well and so I don't know if anyone if people really hit a so-called breaking point some do some literally have to be. know at their wits end in order to make a change but i would say and i'll be totally transparent i think there was there were a few different things that started to kind of shift Um, number one was uh, because i have so my family my mom's side there's a, a history of depression and suicide so my mom actually lost both of her parents to suicide And so depression kind of runs on my side of the family. And so I knew I was a little bit predisposed for that. So I actually ended up getting on um, a medication that uh, worked really well for me, like an antidepressant that really shifted some of my brain chemistry. And so honestly, that started to make a difference. Um, And then that got me more motivated to get out of my obsessive thinking. Um, I also was super, super consistent with therapy. And I will tell you, Brian, the biggest game changer is a specific therapy, it's called DBT. It's called Dialectical Behavioral Therapy. And that one, like it gives me chills talking about it, it was, it changed my life. And the reason why it changed my life, and I think it changes a lot of people's lives, is because with therapy, you can go in and a lot of it is like cognitive stuff, right? So you can change a lot of your thoughts. And so it's based on thoughts. It's based on cognitive distortions we have. Versus dialectical behavioral therapy is more based on tactical tools and implementations you can use outside Mm -hmm. of the therapy. Because we can go in and we can convince ourselves, okay, we'll just tra- change your mind, th- just change your thought, put in words of affirmation, yada yada, and why that's fine. Sometimes you like physically have to do things to make that shift. So what I mean by that, there's a couple different things, and I think your your audience would really benefit from these. Number one is called um, uh, is called opposite action. So what I what that means is. So if you have a behavior that's addictive and that you wanna change, so let's say for instance, it's binge eating, okay? You essentially wanna do the opposite of that. So instead of choosing to go and binge, even though the urge is so high and so apparent and it's like you wanna do everything in your power to go hit that binge, instead you go for a walk or you call a friend or you do whatever you have to do to get out of that situation and change your brain chemistry to actually divert to something else. And the more you do the opposite action, the more inclined you are to realize that, okay, that binge doesn't serve its purpose that it once did. I can mm-hmm. still get a high from other things rather than relying on the food to give me that. And it is so hard, especially in the midst of addiction um, and changing behaviors, but when you stay consistent and you do it, it really, really works. And the, the high that you once get from that addicted behavior doesn't feel like it once did. Mm. Um, Another thing, too, is grounding. I'm huge on grounding techniques. So if someone has anxiety, if someone's feeling very overwhelmed, I will literally go and tell them if they can, and it's not dead winter, to go take their shoes off and go step out in the grass. And just put their feet in the grass and ground themselves research has even shown if for jet lag if you were to travel overseas if you go when you land and literally put your feet in the grass you adjust to the time change much quicker than if you didn't Mm -hmm. um and if someone is feeling overwhelmed and they can't literally take their shoes off and go outside i will say just look at where your feet are and it typically brings them right back to that present moment because a lot of us get anxious when we're time traveling, right? When we're yeah. thinking about the future, we're, think we're getting anxious and overwhelmed. When we're thinking about the past, we're getting depressed and we're having resentment or whatever it may be. So it literally brings you back to the present moment and stops you from some of that time traveling. So those are some things that really started to kind of help me over time. And then also one other thing, kind of recognizing my distortions where um, I would find myself filtering, which some of your clients might do as well, where they, they filter out the positive and they solely focus on the negative, or they they uh, believe in the all or nothing thinking, right? Where it's it's either all this or all of that, where they're either all in or they're totally removed from the situation, regardless what it is, uh, you know. So or catastrophizing, so where in their minds they catastrophize an event, or let's say they're having a hard day, and then they make everything just less snowball effect. So then they think life is just awful, and they accumulate, right? Um, And then one other one is assumptions. I think for women, it's very easy to assume, rather than ask questions and have proper communication. So we create these storylines in our heads and it's easy to get pissed off at our partner or our significant other when they've done nothing wrong. You've Better
0: been talking line. about
1: Lindsay? No, no, God We're thinking, oh my God, that jerk. I know he did this because of this. And it's actually like, no, that wasn't the case at all. Like you're doing yeah. that and you create these stories. So all of those things really make a difference.
0: It's so, so that, that, those are all amazing pieces. And I think that it's so important that and I know grounding, you're talking about like the, the literal sense, um, but like there's so many things that you can do throughout your day to ground yourself too. Like there's so many different things that, that can change the course of a day. And and I think that that's where mindfulness comes in of like being able to step back. And obviously this is our role as coaches is teaching people this, but like the only way that you can teach people these things is to be able to experience them. And I think that that speaks to you as a coach, but I know like for me, like you talk about hitting rock bottom, like mm-hmm. I had a massive panic attack. Like I was driving one day um, and all, all of a sudden, like it, like, cause when I was in school, I'd started competitive bodybuilding. I'd started, um, fitness modeling. I'd started my first business and I was just hustling, 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 but I had started my social media as a means of promoting my business and myself rather than just being on social media. So most of the people like in my college didn't actually know who I was. They just saw me as this person. And so whenever I would go out, I was expected to be this kind of person rather than just being yes. myself. Yes. And I just got so much anxiety. And, the, and then I had to deal with like a bunch of like social backlash because people didn't promote themselves on social media. So mm-hmm. when I started posting like fitness model photos, like everyone's like, oh, is he gay? And like, they made memes about me and stuff. And mm-hmm. like, I just remember just being like, so like anchored, like, oh, well, I, mm-hmm. I'm fine. Like, I'm fine with myself. I'm fine with myself. I'm fine with myself. And I was. And mm-hmm. so one day between that and some of the other personal things I had going on, like they hit me and I was like, and that's what it takes sometimes. But Mm -hmm. it's really like, it doesn't have to be that intense, but it's just a moment of clarity where you're like, I really don't want to feel this way anymore. Mm -hmm. And I think that when, when you have those moments, it's so important that you listen to them because, because a lot of people just be like, I had such a bad day and I'm ready to change. And they're like, I'm going to divert. And I, And there's no there's it's almost like you need to use your you need to use your gifts and sometimes I don't want to sound cliche, but those moments can be gifts. Yeah, and and they're they're incredible tools to push us forward. One question that I had, though, is, and, and this is just like a tactical thing and you can kind of take it wherever but maybe someone is in a position where they're anorexic or binging, but maybe they have a really bad relationship with food. Okay. Um, but I'm curious, like how for you, like you've reshaped your relationship with food, what are some patterns or habits that help you stay in that, that zone where you're able to control the way that you address food without restricting?
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's a really good question. You know, I I would say number one is self awareness. Is so having that awareness. Number two is being honest with myself. So rather than oh no, this isn't this isn't going on. Literally calling myself out on my own BS. Like Kim, what are mm-hmm. you doing? Like you know what you're doing, right? Um, I think now though, I'm I'm pretty far removed from that. So I think yeah. for me it would be. Um, You know, if I could offer like advice, I think it would be number one is having that self-awareness. Number two, like calling yourself out on it. And because we know when we're doing something, we know what it's, what we're doing. And it takes us down this habitual rabbit hole, right? Mm -hmm. And the further we go down that rabbit hole, the harder it is going to be to come back from that. So I, one thing that I notice a lot with my clients is during times of high stress, they go back to previous coping skills because they haven't had enough time with other coping skills so they mm-hmm. go back to what feels familiar with them whether that is um, restricting or you know scooting their food around their plate or doing whatever it is that they do um, because they haven't had the proper tools or use the proper tools for a prolonged period of time they still go back to that old method because it feels safe so you have to remember too it's like let's say you have your brain and then a foot away from that, you have your new system of tools that you have, right? So you again, you have that space between your brain and those new set of tools, and it feels super scary closing that gap. So what do you do? It's easy to go back to the road that feels familiar, even though you don't like that road and it doesn't serve you anymore. And it's harder to kind of bushwhack your way through and create a new path. But once you kind of make your way onto that new path, it creates clarity. It creates a sense of ease. And the more you go down that path, you realize, okay, what you were doing before just doesn't serve you anymore. And mm-hmm. I think that that can go into a sense of, again, looking at what's going on around you um, I would say for sure, Brian, again, the self-awareness, the, the, the self-trust and being honest with yourself. Um, another one is, um, I, I call the, I, I don't really, I need to get an acronym for them, but <laughs> the specific skills. So I check in with myself, like if I'm mm-hmm. feeling super vulnerable or I'm emotional, or I just feel kind of like emotionally dysregulated, I literally ask myself, okay, did I get enough sleep? Did I eat enough food? Did I exercise and get outside? Did I take like, I don't know, appropriate medicine or whatever it is that I need? And have I been drinking alcohol or using drugs? Okay, so if you can, check all of those off your box, then you can say, okay, yeah, something is off a little bit. But usually it's when we are sleep deprived, when we're stressed, mm-hmm. when we might not have eaten a good meal or when we have lots of chaos going on. So go back to the basics, go, every time you go back to the basics, it makes life so much easier.
0: Mm-hmm. And one thing that I think is important to note is on any of those, it doesn't have to take you an hour. Like it doesn't, it doesn't like, you can i was talking to a client one time and she was like oh she had a lot of stress going on in her life Mm -hmm. and she pulled back from meditation Mm -hmm. and the thing i was like okay well instead of meditating for however much time you feel like you need how about before you go and step out of your car and go to work you just take seven deep breaths and check in And, and it doesn't so like people like they create this like mountain it's like yes. this this mountain of a million things i have to climb mm-hmm. and it's like well you should climb the mountain but the most important thing is that you can observe how far you have to go from this step and you can actually realize how how you are here mm-hmm. and it only takes you like you said looking down at your feet and so i love that um i'm curious do you do you literally call yourself out or is it more of a mental check because i was listening to someone recently um who's talking about like they'll say like they, they would say some of their affirmations out loud or they would say, Hey, stop doing that. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you know, Brian stop doing that. Like, so do you use that as a tool or is it more of like a mental thing for you?
1: Sometimes I do. If I'm in public, probably not. People probably think I was kind of (laughs) weird, you know, but (laughs) sometimes I do. Like if I find myself getting in my head a lot, let's say I'm doing something like out of my comfort zone and I'm like, you're not, you shouldn't be doing that. People are going to say this or whatever it may be. Um, I'll literally say, Kim, stop. Like, it's fine you know, and I'll call myself out if I'm at home, but if I'm around public, I'll say it to myself.
0: Yeah, that's probably wise. I thought that was curious. I didn't know if that was a cool tool. Um, So one of the things that, so you've gone through this process, you've reshaped your life. Um, You went into ultra, ultra marathon running, um, or what what were some of the sports you picked up?
1: So, so, you know, so again, it was kind of like, all right, anorexic, then I became binge eating and obese. And then I went into fitness competitions and half marathons and competitive cycling and, but I still wasn't happy with myself. It was still, I was still trying to achieve this dead end road, like it still was never good enough. So again, once I finally started doing a lot of that own internal work was when things really started to shift. Uh, Mm -hmm. So I did those things for a little bit. And then I will say too, when I was like competitively training really hard, Um, I was, there's times when I wasn't eating enough still, and I was drinking copious amounts of caffeine and I started having issues with my hormones and things were getting thrown off with that too. And so, you know, it's been a journey. It's been like, okay, now that I got my eating disorder a bit under control, now this hormonal stuff's coming up. Okay. How do I navigate that? Okay. Now how do I do this? So again, it's been a slow, steady journey and Mm. So, yeah, that makes sense.
0: Oh, absolutely. And I, that was my next question. That's where I wanted to segue. So when, so you go through this process, mm-hmm. ultimately you end up getting yourself in order yeah. um, mentally, but when did you start really focusing on hormones and when did that become something that you really started to hone in on as far mm-hmm. as a way of not just healing yourself, but then turning around and really helping others reshape their life?
1: Such a good question. So... You know, for me, I believe in Eastern and Western medicine, I believe that there's a time and a place for both. That's my opinion. I feel like when someone is way too swung one side, they're not able to look at other things objectively. Mm -hmm. So for a big part of my life it was all about okay i need to i need to get on medication something's wrong with me at one point brian i was on 17 medications i was so over medicated i was like a walking zombie and it was because i was in these different treatment centers and they're like just give her medication just give her medication so it wasn't until I started doing a lot of my own research that I'm like, hey, there are so many side effects to all this stuff, like there has to be other reasons why I'm feeling the way that I'm feeling and it's not just because I need to be on more medication. So I weaned myself off a ton of the medication. Um, I still have to be on a tiny bit just for just for my own mental health, um, but I really started diving in deep to, okay, why am i still feeling kind of depressed all right yes maybe it's like emotional things going on but yet i found out that i had hypothyroidism and so hypothyroidism a byproduct of that is mild depression so i got on proper medication for my thyroid and guess what within a couple months my depression subsided um and then uh my my anxiety was pretty high and the reason why my anxiety was high was because um, I was in balance with norepinephrine, which is a chemical in your brain. So that was off a little bit. And instead of going on another medication to fix that, I started taking calming herbs. I started taking adaptogens like ashwagandha mm-hmm. and GABA. And um, so, and then I, I also made sure that, okay, I'm, I was researching that you have to get enough vitamin D. I couldn't figure out why I was getting sick all the time. All right, well, my immune system was low because i wasn't getting enough vitamin d and i wasn't getting essential minerals and so this took me down this whole new rabbit hole where i'm like wow okay even though i've balanced myself to the best of my ability we can be we can be i guess like average if you will with with conventional medicine because honestly brian they're just kind of focused on keeping us alive right they want to know do you have chest pains do you have this they don't care if you come in and say i'm gaining weight i'm really tired they don't they don't do anything about that right so their their main purpose is keeping us alive and they don't do a lot around hormones and nutrition so i kind of took the research upon myself and really started to to, Um, ask questions to functional medicine doctors and be really inquisitory and so I found a lot with a lot of females that they are experiencing very heavy menstrual cycles or having lots of anxiety they're feeling really stressed that can be a contributor of low progesterone which a lot Mm -hmm. of us have progesterone is a hormone and it's it's side by side with estrogen so a lot of women say okay well I think I'm estrogen dominant And that can be somewhat true because our progesterone is the first thing to go when we're super stressed. And as a society, we're freaking stressed. Um, So, you know, there's, there's a lot of stuff there. So I think that's what kind of took me down that path as well. So it was more of how can I educate myself, but also educate my audience that there are other reasons why you feel a certain way and you don't have to just go on a medication to fix it.
0: Yeah, and there's a lot of things that play a big role in hormone health that are contributed to actual medication. So, for instance, like if a female has been taking birth control, and then I remember mm-hmm. I, I've seen like you know clients who gotten off their birth control when they weren't supposed to, and they didn't improperly didn't trans, transfer over, and, and then there's all these different issues. And so I think it's so it's so positive and powerful for you to bring that to a light because. At some capacity, and I say this as as just an acknowledgement of a fact rather than just like steering it away, but at some capacity, I think there's a tendency to to overanalyze the hormones on some point mm-hmm. by some people. But there's also people who demonize that and they don't actually realize that there's people who actually have hormone issues. Mm-hmm. And and I've I've been blown away by just like how much you can see a body change by how much stress they have and how much stress they don't have.
1: Yeah. And
0: and I think it's so important, especially when you talk about females and ladies, um, the amount between your period, between your stress, your cortisol, like all these things play such a big role in, where you get as far as progress. And so one of the things I wanted to kick to you though, is how does stress actually affect progress? So if someone's feeling stressed out, like why is it important? We can maybe start like big funnel and then bring mm-hmm. it down to the bigger the details. But why is it important to be mindful of your stress if you're trying to, let's say, lose weight or, or, or reshape your body or something like?
1: Oh my goodness. Stress is so I feel like the st- stress is a culprit of so many different things. So let's just take stress for instance, and look at it kind of what it does to the body on a hormonal level. So if you are chronically stressed, right, the body does not know the difference. If you are essentially running from a lion or you're sitting in traffic, pissed off or mm-hmm. if you're emotionally revved up. So for females, it's very easy to emotionally get revved up. And so your body from, from, from a stress response, it doesn't know the difference. So you, it's not like we're running from lions all day, but we are trying to put out fires. We're trying to. Our boss might say, "Meet me in my office in ten minutes," and your nervous system jacks up. Or you know, you're you're about to have a difficult conversation with someone, or whatever it may be, or you're feeling really emotional that day. Those are all stress responses. Even underlying infections, a lot of people don't think about that. Some people have underlying continuous viral infections, like Epstein. Um, Bar, lime, um, autoimmune issues—those can all be main contributors contributors of a stress response within the body as well. So when your body's under chronic stress, you better believe it's pumping out a ton of cortisol. Now cortisol, people view it as, oh, it's this bad thing. It's not bad. If we didn't have it, we wouldn't be alive. That's what gets us up out of bed in the morning. So mm-hmm. we need that cortisol, but it also is about, okay, it's, it spikes in the morning and then it slowly, gradually comes down at night. But some people have it where they are considered quote unquote, wired, but tired, where they are so revved up and so like amped and anxious and edgy, but they're so tired behind it. And that's mm. usually like your cortisol and overdrive. And a lot of symptoms of high cortisol is, you know, weight gain in the midsection, carrying a lot of water, having a lot of inflammation, feeling really moody. Um, and those, you better believe those play a huge contributor in weight loss. So while sleep and stress don't carry calories, they contribute 100 mm to weight loss. You better believe it. I can't, it does not matter if you're eating all the kale in the world and exercising To the cows come home, if you are not sleeping and you are not regulating your stress, nothing is going to shift. It just won't happen. Your body, your body holds on to everything it can during a state of stress response. So it's not going to release, it's not going to reduce inflammation unless you are out of that stress response. And one thing I love for my clients to do is, like you'd mentioned, doing some breath work. Um, really trying to get out of that sympathetic response where it's that fight or flight response and more adapting to that parasympathetic response. So that, that um, rest and digest. So a lot of women don't know that we have our our vagus nerve that sits behind our neck that is directly correlated to our digestive system. So a lot of women might be super revved up mentally and they can't understand why they feel bloated, why they can't go to the bathroom, why they're constipated. A lot of that is specifically from your nervous system being jacked up because you need that parasympathetic response in order to regulate your nervous system, get you in that calm state. That's why I'm huge with walks and stuff too, because that really helps reduce cortisol levels.
0: Mm. And so if someone is, I guess this is this is one thought that I had as I was kind of looking at this is when should someone address their hormones? So someone's maybe trying to lose weight, they're struggling, maybe they've lost a couple of pounds, but it's just really, really slow. Sure. When, when should they start to be like, you know what, this is something I need to look at. Like- mm-hmm when's that appropriate or or what does that look like from your standpoint
1: great question so i feel there's three main components before anyone should go and get labs done or hormonal levels tested number one is um how are you eating right like what's what's your nutrition like that's huge Um, how are you supporting your liver so like what type of foods are you eating to to detoxify your liver right those are important too um, and a lot of women that have estrogen dominance, they have a lot of bowel backup. They have constipation. Their liver isn't excreting. So that's one of the reasons why they, they have more estrogen because of all those toxins in their body. Um, so, and definitely the gut piece. And then um, uh, also, so yeah, I would say the gut, I would say um, how they're eating, how they're digesting. And then I would also say, um what would be the other one um supplementation helps some but i think i would first look at okay how's the gut how's the liver how are you eating and then if things aren't working or coming into play after you fix the gut and stuff then i would say okay let's see where your hormone levels are at yeah yeah 20 percent of your thyroid resides in your gut so many of your hormones reside in your gut. So you can go and get your labs done. And it's let's say your hormones are super jacked, but it could be because your gut's off. So heal mm-hmm. the gut first, then go and get your labs done.
0: And I think that, and I know this is going to uh, resonate with you, it also mm-hmm. be consistent. Mm-hmm.
1: Like, yes. Like, oh my like gosh, like yes. if
0: you're If you're not consistent, don't just roll into like, oh, well, it's my hormones yeah. and and don't use that as a scapegoat Mm
1: -hmm.
0: one thing and i want to say this um and i'm going to kick it back to you on another question of this but if if there's any men who are listening to this Mm -hmm. i know we're talking about estrogen progesterone we're talking about cortisol but cortisol is going to affect men too but men it's so important that and females too in a a smaller sense but if you're a man and, and you're talking about like why you feel like trash like why you feel drained you need to look at your testosterone health and there's so many men who don't have healthy testosterone
1: Mm
0: -hmm. that can come through diet it uh, can come through stress. A lot of it comes through supplementation, not getting enough zinc or vitamin D or an, a, any of these different things. It, you need to look at your actual testosterone health and, and have that as a focal point too. So I wanted to add that there because I know that we're focusing on, on, on females, but it's not just like this one-sided problem. Um, and I, I want to spin it though. And really okay. look at...
1: One thing super quick. 100%, yeah. With the testosterone piece, you know, a few side effects of that would be, okay, if it's low, your men just feel unmotivated. They feel depressed. They feel like that, yeah, they're just not feeling it. They don't feel good. Um, they, you know, their sex drive is lower. Um, that's a big one. Low libido for women as well. Uh, and then just not being able to build muscle very much. Uh, and usually men, some men are more estrogen dominant. So they might have more breast tissue or they might have um, a, a bigger butt than normal. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are some things to think about too. But yeah, testosterone is huge. You have to have that for motivation and all of that. Yeah.
0: And you'll, you'll find, so I've had low testosterone like towards the end of a contest prep. Yeah.
1: And
0: you you will feel it. Like if mm-hmm. you know what it's like to be in the zone and then it hits you like i remember just like having conversations with people and, and obviously it was probably like like caloric restriction like mm. training for hours for a contest but i remember just sitting in front of people just being like nope like there's nothing yeah. there's nothing here yeah. because and and my testosterone was shot because i was mm. I, also i wasn't dieting the right way mm-hmm. um i wasn't being mindful of my fat intake which yep. you, you can restrict for a little bit, but it does play a role in your overall health. And it's the same thing for females too. So mm-hmm. I, and I, I know that we're going to, I'm going to take it back to you, but what you're eating plays a huge role in your ability to regulate your hormones. 100%. And so before you like, it's not this like one piece meal thing. It's really about creating a, a full lifestyle outline for your hormones and for your body. Mm-hmm. And so if if someone's listening to this and they're like, you know, I I know that this is something I'm challenged with. Like, where what are some action items that they could put into their life to revitalize their hormones and start to really address this issue?
1: Love it, love it, love it. So I would say testosterone. So, uh, some great testosterone boosting foods would be Brazil nuts. Um, would be uh, cashews. Um, sweet potatoes. Sweet potatoes are amazing source of progesterone, so those are great for women. Um, if they ever, if, if women ever notice that they crave more sweet potatoes, like right before they start their period, that's pretty interesting because it's a progesterone issue. Maca powder is mm. fantastic. Um, it's great for libido and sex drive. Um, I would also recommend, um, like dandelion tea and parsley and cilantro, um, for just liver cleansing. Um, oh, there's so many great foods, you know, I'm, I'm not a vegetarian. I'm a believer in, in, um, animal protein just for all the amino acids and B vitamins. So, um, those are pretty big too. Essential fatty acids, definitely omega 3s mm-hmm
0: what about so and that those are like things um as far as like um, foods we can eat but as far as like someone who's maybe a female who is challenged with their hormones like okay. like where where should they start to address that those issues like so what, what would be like the action items for for kim like if you were to like look at those as like an aggregate of w- what they could start to do or what they could consider or look at um as far mm-hmm. as um fixing the issue
1: yeah so i think if they were trying to fix the issue without even going down the the lab testing to start to again going back to starting with the gut so may, checking in with themselves like okay are they having regular bowel movements daily um are they extended are they bloated um so really checking in with their stress levels that's super important Um, So, managing their stress to the best of their ability, whether that be through breath work. Um, They can get adaptogens, so stress regulation adaptogens, like ashwagandha, and um, rhodelia is a great one. Um, Another thing I would do, too, is get a a great quality probiotic and prebiotic. So, prebiotics are in a lot of um, vegetables, so they can get a lot of their fiber in vegetables. I keep going back to the gut, but the gut is very, very important with hormone regulation before you do mm-hmm. anything else. So I would start with healing the gut. So a great, uh, bone broth is terrific for gut, um, for gut health. Um, I would before anything else work on the gut before you, you even try anything else. So those would be my implementations. If you're having hormone issues.
0: I'm curious of this. Um, this has been kind of Based off my research, mm-hmm. where does fasting fit into a female's revitalization of their hormones, but also their gut health? Because mm-hmm. and I know that some research says that it's it's not the healthiest thing because it can actually make your progesterone worse. Mm-hmm. Um, it can throw off your cortisol, mm-hmm. but also it, it fasting does help with gut health. So. Yeah. Is that something that you typically shy away from when you're talking about like your clients, or is that something you think is a good tool? Like, as far as females, like, what what is your standpoint there?
1: Such a great question. To be honest, Brian, it's like a mixed bag. So there's so much um, convoluted stuff out there. My two senses go by how you feel. So if you are someone that um, You know, can fast and be okay and it doesn't really affect your blood sugar, then then try it. See how you feel like, are you having more energy. Do you feel more alert. Or are you someone that moves pretty consistently throughout the day and needs that glycogen, needs some carbohydrates, needs some fuel to keep your brain functioning? So for me, I think it, it's really more about the individual and how it makes them feel. So mm-hmm. I think it's kind of trial and error and what feels best for them personally.
0: That's great. I love that. Um, so one of my last questions as far as before before i jump into like a lightning round of uh, fun kim questions <laughs> is where does where do you think patience fits into the mix with with all this and and maybe better articulation is how do you balance long term health with short term progress and, and when you're talking to someone, because I know like this is this is a long-term game. If someone has mm-hmm. progesterone issues, they're not they're they're not healthy with their actual hormones. It can take a good amount of time to, to really get them in a good path. So, where as a coach do you take your clients and and really help them like get to the point where they can make some good progress, but also be in that point where they feel good enough to be patient for the long-term
1: transformation? Sure, sure. Well, and I think you have to kind of start with the low hanging fruit, right? So definitely see how they're sleeping. If they're not sleeping, it's gonna throw everything else off. So Mm -hmm. put their sleep habits in check. um, There's some great adaptogens that I love, one being one called Cortisol Manager, Um, it works like a charm i take it every night i have a lot of my clients take it so sleep is paramount usually when people are getting enough sleep they automatically start feeling a bit better Mm -hmm. Um, another one too would be if they are struggling with super low energy i would recommend maybe like a b supplement or a 12 shot those tend to help pretty quickly Um, also even just like increasing their water intake and their vegetable intake that can be a game changer too. Some of those things can be a little short-term fix, um, but for the long-term, I'll be perfectly honest, to really regulate someone's system, it takes a couple years, depending on what damage they've done prior. If they are someone that has really kind of screwed themselves up, it's, it's gonna take a minute to reverse. The body's resilient, and the body can do a lot of healing on itself, but it's it's not gonna be an overnight fix. So I think if you can go back to the basics of fine-tuning the nutrition a bit, um, really getting adequate sleep, getting outside in nature and being in nature and walking and getting sunshine, those are huge. They sound so easy and simple, but they, they make a huge difference in the mindset. Um, those are those are some, some big rollers. And then the other stuff slowly starts to come into play, but it's gonna take a hot minute.
0: Mm, and when you're working with someone how do you keep them motivated for the long term? Like, what what are some key things that you feel like, or just even like mantras or things that are helpful for someone to think of? Like, if you were if you were someone on the other end listening to this, and you're like, you know, I'm challenged, I'm maybe stressed, like I want this just to be gone.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What would you say to that person or or yourself in that instance?
1: Mm-hmm. I think reminding yourself that where you're at right now is temporary. It's not mm-hmm. long term. And even though you might feel like crap today, it doesn't mean you're going to feel like crap tomorrow. And that even if you feel like crap in this moment, it doesn't mean that you're going to feel that way in 10, 20 minutes. Um, again, realizing that it is temporary, you're not going to feel this way forever. And then also acknowledging and giving yourself compassion that you didn't get here overnight. It's going to take a minute for you to kind of get back to your, to your playing field, if you will. The body, it's never just one one event. It's a slow, gradual build. It's a slow burn. So what you might've been doing over the course of your twenties, it's going to hit you a little bit in your thirties and it's going to take a minute to hang in for the long haul. Um, my two cents is just give yourself some grace and know Mm. there's days you're going to feel super frustrated, but if you can try and just take positive action steps every day, those small little steps will add up over time and make a huge difference. They really do.
0: Love I -hmm. I think that's amazing advice. Um, And so, before I ask my last bit of questions. Yeah. So what are something that you have? I know you have an exciting project coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to talk about if someone's in a position where they're like, you know what, this, this is exactly what I need or I need guidance with this. What are, what's uh, your program that you're working on that would help them in that area?
1: Yeah, thanks so much for asking. So it's my Hormone Reset Challenge. Really excited about it. I've done it before. Lots of great turnout. Um, So essentially what it is, it's for women who really are just feeling really bloated, feeling like they are really stressed out. They feel as though they just can't get a grip on life, honestly, where they're just, they feel like they're in this habitual hamster wheel and they can't figure out maybe why they're continuously gaining weight, or why they can't go to the bathroom, or why their PMS symptoms are so strong. So I really kind of peel the onion back and do a pretty big deep dive into um, regulating one of our master nerves, which is the vagus nerve. I talk a lot about that and the sympathetic dominance that a lot of women have. Um, I do a lot on gut health, liver detoxification, nutrition, and really just some mindset stuff. So it's a very robust program and it's great for women who just kind of feel like they need a bit of a reset and that maybe exercise and nutrition isn't really giving them what they need.
0: Mm. And how can they sign up for that? Where can they get more knowledge? Obviously, I'm going to put that in the, in the show notes too, but where can they learn more about the actual pieces of either joining that or just getting more info?
1: hmm. So I would say the best bet would go to my Instagram or my Facebook and it's Kim dot shaper and um, it's that I have a link in my bio. And it's just um hormone reset challenge. They'll they can find it pretty, pretty quickly. So I have a lo- bunch of content around it right now. So they may find it one of those ways.
0: And it's, it's a it or, four week challenge or weeks and, mm-hmm. and when does it start
1: It starts um, Next, not this coming Monday, but the following. So the 16th.
0: Okay. Awesome. And I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll make sure that I put that all in the notes too.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, absolutely. And so I, I wanted to put that there just because I, I want it to be fresh on anyone's mind. I know that sometimes people will be like, Oh, well, wait till the end. If you're someone who is, is really looking for guidance in your hormones, looking for some, or, you know, someone who this might be, uh, benefit, I think it's a really powerful thing. And, and Kim does an amazing job. So um, she's helped me a tremendous amount. I've learned a great deal from her. So make sure you check that out. And I think that you'd really gain a lot of perspective, not just on your hormones, but also yourself. And that would be very valuable. So I wanted to put that in there. Before we do, I think what my favorite part is, uh, I have some questions that I I think are just so helpful to really pulling it together. And I'm really intentional about creating space for each person who comes on. To, to share a piece about them that's beyond just the story notes of what we, we talk about as entrepreneurs and as coaches. We all tell our own stories, but it's really about you. And so my first question is, what's your superpower and what's your kryptonite?
1: Gosh, okay, can you, and, and I knew you were gonna ask this, but can you tell me what is kryptonite again? I tell
0: you. <laughs> so, uh, so this, do you want the, sh- the short version or the long yeah. version?
1: short version. <laughs> so, but-
0: so Superman is from Krypton. And the only way to weaken Superman is through kryptonite. And that's like his, it's like his Achilles heel.
1: Okay. Okay. So like something that would just like totally bring me down. Kind well, of- yeah,
0: like, like for me, like my superpower is is definitely empathy, mm-hmm. but my kryptonite is patience, like if you want me to be patient for something, it's just, it's going to be a challenge.
1: <laughs> okay. I would agree with you on that for me. Okay. So I would say my superpower is motivation, um, or cheerleading. And then mm. I would say my kryptonite is probably coffee and patience. I'm not a patient, yeah. either, especially towards myself. Yes. The big one. Love that.
0: Uh, what's one book that's changed your life?
1: Yep. So the, um, the big leap was a big one for me and also atomic habits. Those are both Mm, great.
0: Both great. Yeah. If you could relive one day of your life, what day would it be?
1: Gosh. Oh my. Um, I would probably say the day I got married. Mm. Yeah. What about you?
0: When I was in college I was working three jobs. Mm-hmm. I've thought about this one a lot. I was working three jobs. I was working about 60 hours a week prepping for my first bodybuilding competition. And I was dealing with a lot of personal trauma. Um, I don't want to say trauma. I think that's too strong a word, but I was just watching my parents really suffer um, mm-hmm. and I was in a bad relationship. It was just not good. Um, I remember getting my quizzes back from some of my professors or one of my professors. He's like, he's like, come talk to me after class. Like, and this guy was old, like 70 year old dude. He's like, what the fuck's going on? I'm like, he's like, why are you getting, he's like, why are you getting thirty sixes on this? And I was like, I'm sorry. So I was just like, not in a good place. Yeah. And, um, I remember going to work. And I got a phone call from the school at the end of the semester. I'd pulled it all together. I'd put the business together. I passed all my classes in a really great fashion. And just finally, like I was feeling momentum. I'd lost 50 pounds that semester. So I was like, really like just starting to have all this energy. And um, I got a full scholarship to my college. So I got a full tuition scholarship. And I just remember like, getting that phone call at work and just crying and then calling every single person that like, I could, like, Mom, I got, a, I got a scholarship. I called my ex-girlfriend. Just like, it was just a really amazing thing. And um, that, that's the one that stands out to me.
1: I love it.
0: I love so, it. What's your idea of paradise?
1: Um, having my dogs and my husband on an island and getting lots of sunshine and having amazing fresh fish and food. Mm,
0: yes, love that. Yeah. If you could give yourself one piece of advice twenty years from now, what would it be?
1: Don't take yourself too seriously. Mm. Yeah.
0: what What are you the most grateful for today?
1: I would say my family, um, my family and my health. I think if I could give two, yes. Mm. Yep. Very blessed.
0: And my last question is what's your one rule for life?
1: Live, live fully, have fun and be around positive, uplifting people.
0: Mm. Love that. And so where can people find more information about you, Kim? I know you kind of plugged it in there, but what are your actual, um, what's your Instagram tag?
1: Sure. So it's Kim, K-I-M dot Shaper, S-C-H-A-P-E-R. And um, it's Kim Shaper on Facebook. And then my website is Mm -hmm. www.kimshaper.com.
0: Perfect. Well, so thank you so much. This has been an amazing time and a great great amount of information here and I just appreciate your vulnerability and just the amount you're willing to share. I think that you have such a talent and you have so much to offer people. I'm just really appreciative that you've been able to be on this podcast and share your journey.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it.
0: Absolutely thank you for tuning in today to my journey i hope this episode brought some value and light into your life if you love this podcast please leave us a review on itunes and shout us out on your instagram stories so we can share this message with as many people as possible and if you're ready to start your own journey reach out to me at BrianPickwist.com forward slash start and until next time thank you again and remember the journey starts with you i'll see you guys